Yo, what's up, and welcome back to another episode of The Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabilis Hamey, and for this one, we've only got Raph because, um, yeah, I... At first, we had technical difficulties that I thought was a group problem, but turns out, after the second attempt at doing this episode, it was actually my fault. So, basically, um, we tried to record an episode... For Cleo, from five to seven, like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, like this this episode was supposed to come out last Tuesday, right? But then yeah. had some technical difficulties, and basically what happened was I tried to like save the file and then save as, and then I don't know what I did, and accidentally deleted the audio files that we recorded. So we're like, okay, no worries, we're gonna record like a big episode. Let's just do a quick one for Cleo from five to seven like right before we do episode 100 so Mm. we do it knock it out right a good hot 30 35 minute episode and then i make the same fucking mistake again and delete the entire episode accidentally this time i knew exactly what i did so Mm. we are here again for the third time fool me once to do this episode once (laughs) shame on you yeah i mean Third, third time's the charm, and we are now just so good about talking about Cleo. We're just yeah. so good at it. We just yeah. know. We, we're, we're either so good at it or we're so drained by it. We're like, let's just get this over with. Yeah. But good thing about doing this episode in particular, it's one of my favorite, you know, movies, one of my favorite, you know, movements. So I'm like, I can talk. I can, dude, if you want to talk about Cleo 57 times, yeah. let's go. Um, yeah, but yeah, hopefully there's no more technical issues. Yeah, I was gonna we're say, really sorry take... about that. We are, we are to our to our fans out there. Um, but also, we um, this is taking me back to our to our pandemic days where we had to do remote yeah. remote recording. Remote, we're, remote we're back recording. on Riverside. Yeah, we're back on Riverside. Shout out. We're Riverside. not together right now. No. Shout out Riverside, who have changed their game. Like to yeah. any to any podcasters out there. Go go to Riverside, yeah. So we're so so after a huge technical you know woes. Um, here we are talking about Cleo once again, and it's going to be a, a hot you know thirty minute episode. We're we're mm-hmm. assuming it's only the two of us. Our dear Ollie mm-hmm. um, could make it, uh, and so yeah, we thought. And I don't think we've ever had a a me and you episode. Have I we? don't think so. I feel like it's always been I, you and yeah. Ollie. It's been me and Ollie, or you and Ollie. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Never been, yeah. never been you and me, bud. Look at Let's us. Let's do it. Who would have thought? Look at us. Yeah, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Yeah. Not me. Who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> uh, whoa! Oh my yeah. god! My <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! The, the Imagine another technical. Fell, another... fell over. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Watch out with them armrests. They'll get you. Yeah. All right. So, Raf, how about you do a little quick yeah thing about Cleo? Let's from do five it. To seven. Let's do it. Let, let's get out of my IMDb page. I just want to straight on IMDb and I'm like, oh, I'm on my page right now. God, I'm so obsessed with myself. Um, <laughs> God, God, look at this. Look at this guy. Yes. Yeah, so we are talking about Cleo from five to seven, um, a film directed by the pioneering Agnès Varda, who, along with François Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard, kind of helped form 
um, this French new wave that we had in the 60s. And she was not only one of the most important uh, figures of that time, but also as uh, a feminist, uh, she brought mm. the female gaze into mm-hmm. the forefront of cinema. Um, and Cleo from five to seven is one of the finest examples of, uh, the female gaze mm. and, uh, also just one of the finest examples of this French new wave, uh, because it has everything you want from a French new wave film, but it has, it has also everything you want from a Varda film. I've said this to you before, Jabril, but this is like one of the most Varda films. And by yeah. that, I mean, Agnès Varda is, uh, not just a brilliant director, but she's a brilliant documentarian um, mm-hmm. a, and a brilliant, um, she just has one of those um, keen eyes for just humans, for people. You know, when you see her films, you're seeing kind of such a, a brilliant reality into either French culture or into the artistic culture. And this film has all those aspects. It has the documentarian aspect. It has her beautiful direction and it has just these amazing performances all across the board. Um, so I think it is one of the most Varda films you can watch, which is why I picked it for, uh, this very theme. And mm-hmm. it's, um, so to talk, uh, briefly about what Cleo from five to seven is, uh, it's about, uh, a, a star named Cleo or Florence, who, much like myself, is a bit of a hypochondriac, and she becomes kind of increasingly worried uh, that she might have cancer. She's awaiting this diagnosis, um, which arrives at set around 7 p.m., and it's kind of a story through her life from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, hmm. So it's got this kind of a diegetic um, essence to it where we're experiencing one hour one hour of our life as we are experiencing an hour and a half of her life yeah. so it, the time flows the same way we are flowing through this film yeah. which is quite uh, a do brilliant you and, just explain you know, what diegetic means uh just for the people that so don't know diegetic means um ugh, it's i always have a hard time defining this because ollie yeah. always just has oh you know, Ollie's like our guy for definitions. He's yeah, like, yeah, whenever yeah. I'm like, hey, I don't know quite how to define. But here, I'm going to give it my best shot. Well, from Diegetic what he said is, was like, with lighting, from what I remember. But from you, yes. like, I remember your definition was a little bit more just for the for film in general. Sure. Yeah. So um, to give like a, a, a simple example, a diegetic lighting um, is when a character in a film turns on a light that is not like movie light, you know, it's yeah. like a lamp. Yeah. Um, that, that also could be a reference to a character turning on the radio and mm-hmm. it's not kind of the post-production sound that we're hearing, but it's actual radio yeah. from the set. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about with diegetic timing here is, so Cleo goes through an hour and a half of her life in this film Mm-hmm. quite seamlessly and we are experiencing an hour and a half of this film this this movie is only an hour and a half so if anything yeah. we're experiencing the same amount of time as cleo is experiencing in the movie yeah more That's or less kind right? of like yeah. the, the more or less more or yeah. less um which kind of you know gives it a a more a, almost an immersive feel to it because mm-hmm. you are here with her yeah experiencing this amount of time and it doesn't jump cut to the next day or to no. yesterday. It doesn't, you know, it kind of just yeah, sticks no. to being it's 5 p.m. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, the last sequence of the film, it's 530. Yeah. And literally, if you watch it at 5 p.m., 
it'll be you know it'll be 6 30 yeah. it'll be exactly the same time yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you experience yeah. and i believe the film takes place on a tuesday so if you really want to yeah. be you know immersed well i wonder, on a tuesday at 5 p.m yeah i don't know if they give a date or anything of like that period of time in history but um i guess you could like figure it out yeah i mean i think i think according to a lot of the things that are happening in this film um I believe it takes place on a Tuesday. It's 1961. Um, and it could be the summer. So mm, June, mm-hmm, July. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and a lot of things happen. Actually, there is a way to find out because um, one brilliant reference to the timeline of this film mm-hmm. or when this film was actually set is when she's, when Cleo herself is taking a cab from yeah. one destination to the next, there's the radio. There's yeah. like a radio sequence where they give out news and there's the war in Algeria. There is Edith Piaf who is um, succumbing sick. some, uh, yeah, who is sick, yeah, she's uh, who is potentially going to die. Uh, yeah. and I, th- I believe she does pass away um, soon, soon after. Uh, and there is uh, um, a sort of, uh, politi- there's like a hot it's political a cold climate war. in the West of France. Yeah. There's also there's a cold war, cold war thing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there's a lot actually you know there's a lot there's it's very um politically uh not politically heavy but it's it's kind of the climate of 1961 it's kind of heavy kind of weighted mm-hmm, much much mm-hmm. like it is weighted this darn right this darn year too yeah, yeah right now yeah um but yeah let's let's get so, to it let's get to our get to favorite it. scene or performance which one should we do first yeah let's do favorite scene let's okay. let's 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 do it um t- t- right. talk to me Jay, bro. talk to me yeah, so I think my favorite scene in this movie was, uh, well, I have two favorite scenes now that I think about it. So the first yeah, one yeah, yeah. is right after the, I guess, opening credits, uh, fortune telling, uh, mm. part where you kind of see Cleo, um, really like the, the start of her issues or like the start mm-hmm. of what uh she's afraid of and like basically it's an intro into her her ego or her fear of what's going on and so it's kind of shown in that scene where everything is mirrored you know she's like um there's a literally they're in a cafe with a bunch of reflections everywhere there's like mirrors behind mm-hmm. her and then also the frame is cut in half and it's kind of mirrored with um this couple sitting in the corner speaking about like their woes and then there's also her mm-hmm. assistant slash maid slash manager um sitting to her right well our left i don't, I don't know would you call that stage right yeah um yeah and then she's stage going right. through That's this story That's appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she's going through her story about like this guy in a village that she lived in and how he was sick and he was trying to run away from the sickness. And then in turn, he like has the best time of his life, comes back home to find that his wife, his wife had succumbed to the same illness that he did or something like that. Mm. So like all of this was going Mm -hmm. around in, um, Cleo's head. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it was just a beautifully framed, uh, image or like the the yeah, frame itself of what's going on the sequence the scene it was really good mm. and then my uh, the other scene that i really enjoyed just this is the musician in me was the scene where um they were trying out different songs this is back where she was in her studio there's the lyricist and the pianist uh they've come to visit her to practice songs 
And there's just the bit where they're like going through different songs uh, that she could sing and that they could perform. And she's like, yes, no. And I just love that sequence just because that um, the room that she was in, it kind of reminded me of uh, more artsy in a way rather than film. Like it's it looked like a like a big white box kind of uh, I don't know it's a bit weird a weird reference but like if you've ever seen the single ladies video with Beyonce it's kind of <laughs> like a massive yeah, yeah, white yeah. room um, and I guess this comes to the fact that uh, Varda used to be or was or uh, at the time she was a photographer she did a lot of like stuff in magazines um, she yeah. did a lot yeah, of documentaries yeah. so I'm not sure if, if she dabbled in fashion but it was a very oh like 100-esque like just the way that room was set up was very beautiful so yeah those are yeah, my two absolutely. scenes I would say. Ab- Absolutely. No, those are great scenes. And Agnes Varda was a virtuoso of, 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 of all the different kind of artistic realms. You know, she, she, she employed a lot of fashion in her life, a lot of music in her life, um, and a lot of film, a lot of documentary. She kind of across the board was just this kind of god of, well, she was described as one of the gods of cinema, but also kind of, um, the queen of 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 the art- artistic world uh, in that time, so she employed a lot of that in her in her movies. Um, great choices, um, especially for yeah that second one because of of that music thread that you share, yeah. um, and and the first yeah with the tarot cards. And funny enough, like the that was a real uh, tarot uh, reader. Mm-hmm. Um, tarot card reader. So that was like an actual tarot card reader uh, that they hired uh, to do that sequence. And um, it's also predicts all the things that came to fruition uh, yep. during the film. Yep. So it's one of those things where you don't, you know, when you're first watching it, you're like, oh, whatever. But you rewatch it and you're like, oh, actually, all of this kind of all like, of takes place. Happen, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. One of, um, one of my favorite scenes. Uh, it, there are so many, uh, but me, Ollie and I, and and yourself, when we were recording this episode, uh, we talked about the the singing sequence, uh, Saint mm-hmm. which yeah. falls right after what you the scene you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. So beautiful! I think it's the peak of Corinne Marchand's performance. She sings this beautiful song, and it's kind of isolated all to her, um, and it's just a powerful performance um, that will like shake you to your core. Uh, but for me, I like to pick a little something um, that is, uh, it's not essentially the the most renowned scene of the film, but it's just this little moment mm-hmm. where, and yet it's towards the end of the film where she's walking through the park before she meets the soldier and she's walking down these stairs and she's just kind of singing to herself um, in such a free, like she, suddenly her anxieties vanish her her fears vanish and she just kind of walks down the stairs and sings to herself and dances and has this little moment of freedom and those moments are i i value so much because you know i i i can have a lot of anxieties sometime especially when it comes to like living in big cities a lot of people and stuff like that so having those like brief little moments of like ah i'm alone in a park and yeah. I can just be myself, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, they, they, take off your shoes. Take off my shoes. Walk yeah. in the grass, buddy. Uh, that's that's the way. That's the hippie way. Um, but yeah, so there's 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 that. I think that one definitely brings a lot of 
warmth in my heart. Um, and Corinne Marchand is, is just terrific in, in, in the role, um, which, you know, kind of a good, a good segue, a favorite performance. Yeah. What do we got, so, Jabril? I mean, like, I feel other than her, you have to pick someone else who did a lovely performance. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it brings me back to, I guess, the initial, um, the initial first the act, all- you know? Yeah, I mm. really love the performance of uh, her manager slash maid slash assistant. Angel. I don't know what. Angel. Let's just call her Angel. I always forget Dominique her name as well. Dominique <laughs> Dominique Devray, um, Angel, nice. well, the character of Angel. Angel. Um, she was just great because she seemed like she gave the performance of someone that um, was really true to herself, like who didn't have the insecurities that uh, Cleo had or Florence. Is it Florence? Yeah, Florence. Yeah, yeah, Florence. Um, yeah, so she really performed that character really well. She kind of had that, um, what's her name? Uh, the one from Titanic the the character ah, yes. actress um yes indeed yes indeed what was her um, name i know exactly i know exactly who you're talking about um yeah it, oh my gosh it, it's it's gonna come to me it's gonna it's kathy bates kathy, kathy bates, bates margaret yeah. brown yeah. yes 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 so she had a kathy bates kind of like feeling and Did. if i'm not wrong i think kathy bates was my favorite uh performance it, from titanic it was um, it was yeah yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what more I could say. Uh, obviously, that's accurate. That's that's very accurate. I like that. The, that that Kathy Bates comparison. She did. She had that mm-hmm. like kind of matriarchal, you know, like yeah, yeah, caretaker essence. You know, exactly. Whereas, um, kind of like, uh, let's go for a Harry Potter one. Um, let's do it. Like Ron Ron Weasley's mum. Uh, yes, indeed. Molly, Molly Weasley. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> yeah, those kind of like motherly um, figures, super self-assured figure. Yeah, and I think she yeah. played that character excellently. In she film. did. She did. She was. She was excellent. Um, I'll have to uh, go with you know her her opposite and the star of this film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this film is catered and centered towards um, Corinne Marchand. As it you know focuses on, it's really just through her perspective that we are getting this film. So, and she carries it with such, uh, such incredible exquisiteness. Um, she just has this. Uh, she employs this like charm, this yeah. vulnerability, this 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 anxiety, but also this lovability. It's like she's. She has- tiptoeing on musical notes you know like ah so beautifully and she knows exactly what she's doing but also maybe doesn't know what she's doing and that's also the beauty of it so there's 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 so many things that you can say that she gets right um and it's it it is a it is a it is a powerhouse performance uh it is a tour the force uh and corinne marchand is is just um She's also just a remarkably beautiful woman. So she's obviously, for me, I'm like, you know, I'm gushing over her mm-hmm. uh, on screen. Big, big crush, big fan. And um, yeah, I think this film wouldn't be anything without her. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the, it's kind of that, that leading performance. You know, it's that, that leading performance that if you don't have that, this film doesn't quite exist. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Agnès Varda, you know, cast the perfect um, person for this role. Yeah. So, and yeah. I mean, 
without her, the film wouldn't have finished? Or no? Sorry. Well, oh, yeah. Rewind. No, th- is this the right film? Oh, no. This is. Uh, no, I think that was. No, that was. Uh, in, that was Breathless. Or was no, that Breathless? That was Ju- was Jules no, that was Jules and yeah. Jim. Yeah, that was Jules Sorry. and Jim. That's right. <laughs> Rewind. Rewind. Um, there wouldn't be yeah. a film without her because of her great performance. <laughs> this is it. I mean, just as vital yeah. as 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 finances. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a performance to, to to keep it together, then what's the point? Hmm. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll go straight to maybe an armchair moment that you would uh, uh, like yeah. to share if um, there's any. Yeah. So I guess the initial initially when I watched this film, um, I found it a little bit uh slow in parts especially in the final act or the second act like um i did like the initial basically when the mirror so the the one of the metaphors of this film that goes throughout the the first half is basically there's a lot of mirrors and she's always checking herself out like because she's so unsure of herself yeah and then when she starts to kind of like realize that or like come to terms with what her situation is. And there's like a Mm. shift in her mentality. You see the lack of mirrors um, and also the lack of her looking into her reflection. And this is kind of where the introduction of the soldier comes in, who is in a way a reflection of her or not really a reflection, but maybe like the yin to her yang, like kind of the counterpart in a way. But there were bits where I was like, this is kind of lagging a little bit too long. Maybe the conversation is going a little bit too much. But then mm. I think that could possibly be the fact that I am reading subtitles. Um, I don't yeah. understand mm. the beauty of the French language in this um, aspect. Um, I think I might have said it in a previous episode, but it's hard for me to concentrate on what is going on visually while I'm reading subtitles. So I'd yeah, have to watch this movie multiple times to probably fully get the effect of what is going on. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, you make a good uh, point with the, um, with the language barrier, mm-hmm. um, just because there are things that don't quite come through um, translation. And I think I yeah. gave an example of that when we were saying about our favorite quotes. Mm. Yeah. The joke there's, there, there's a joke. It's like a, it's a it's a play on words, um, and you know, obviously, if you French, you'll you'll get it, and it'll be quite charming and funny. But it doesn't quite land, or doesn't quite exist um, in, in English. Yeah. So there's that with language that you know, unfortunately, as much as translation is you know ideal, yeah. but like I mean, you can't quite capture the essence of a language. The title of the film apparently is a joke, because like apparently from yes, five to indeed. seven in France, it's when. People got busy, if you know what I mean. Wink, yeah, yeah, wink, people, shrug, people, shrug. Yeah, yeah. This is it. This is it. People get a little, you know. It's that. It's that lucky hour. Um, yeah. So it's it. It is a play on on words. Um, which again, yeah, that that is the unfortunate thing. Um, so you know, hopefully you have a French person who can discuss these things and and, uh, and describe I, I these moments who? to you. Who, yeah, who, exactly. Who can help who, me who out? Is that? <laughs> uh, well, it doesn't sound like I am, but I am French. I know, I know most, maybe most people that are listening to this podcast know this by now, but there's a lot of people that don't that would assume that I'm from yeah. North America. Yeah. Uh, like all of us. I, I, yeah, like all of us. And I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's one of those things. But I, I understand this armchair moment. There's definitely, uh, bits that, 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 that feel, 
like it's kind of it lulling you a bit. Mm. I I think those uh, reinforce and emphasize the the moments mm-hmm. of peace for this film and the moments of peace that she feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand from a first time viewer if that's like something that's a little jarring. Yeah. Um, I so we discussed this mystery question quite a few times now, but you know it's I think it's a nice it's a nice um, segue into talking about kind of mental health because I think this mm-hmm. movie does you know, talk about it and does it, Cleo experiences mental health. You know, she experiences anxiety. She experiences hypochondriac. She's, she is a hypochondriac. She experiences that kind of fear of death. Mm. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask you what, what do you do or what are kind of your comfort zones or your peace pockets whenever you feel socially anxious or anxious in general where, yeah, suddenly this kind of, looming fear is there and you kind of have to i don't know find a way to calm down to to relax yourself yeah um well i think this is an excellent topic just because um emotionally and mentally it's been kind of a hard time for the last like three oh yeah three weeks or so with what's been going on around the world and then november is coming around so you know it's um mental male mental health month also like trying to like it is yeah. raise some awareness for that so um thank you for this question it's really important just to speak about it especially since we're three straight men on this on this indeed on this podcast but yeah f- for the most part i think one of the most Im- important things to do when i'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or going maybe through something like cleo is going through um first off is to basically uh keep myself active Working out, I think, is one of the most important things to do if it's with a team of people. If you play rugby or football or basketball, volleyball, mm. whatever, um, that's a good way to just like be around other people that can, you know, talk you out of a bad situation. But you're also putting yourself through like physical exertion, yeah. you know, mm. um, if you're not the type that does team sports, you know, go for a run, go to the gym, have a workout, maybe go do something like climbing or hiking, you know, get outside and do something mm. or yoga or whatever. So 100%, I think that's number one. 100%. Number two, if you're in like a social situation where you don't know anybody there, let's say you're like a networking event or something, you know, I, I drink, you know, and I don't think it's a bad thing, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It can be, but I don't think it is. And if you're in a social situation, you need to chill out, get yourself a drink use it as a way of protecting yourself, you know, like literally put the drink in front of you and then just try and, you know, work your way into a conversation with people. Cause like, especially if it's a networking event, everyone is there to network. So it's not weird if you go up to someone and you're like, Hey, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. Or if Mm. you're at a party, you know, like just be like, Hey, hi, are you friends with this person? Oh, I know this person from here. Or Mm. if you don't, you know, it's just, just trying to put yourself out there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, those are the two things for me. I get that. I get the, um, obviously the, 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 phys- the, the physical kind of element, um, is very important because you're, you're getting into your body, right? So it's like get into your body by doing something physical, uh, whether that is a team sport, yoga, climbing, whatever it is, kind of once you're into your body, once you're, once you're kind of expressing yourself physically, your mind kind of just, you know, goes away or like the thoughts kind of mm-hmm. go away because you're getting yeah. you're, you're getting into your body um as for the drinking yeah i mean I, you know obviously don't do it in excess to anyone out there yeah. um, or 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 whatever whatever um 
whatever kind of calms you down. So it definitely like a beer can do that for someone, or a glass of wine can do that for someone, yeah. or perhaps that's a kombucha, perhaps yeah, whatever it may be like, yeah. or tea, you know, have it, have a little something to like, okay, calm. And now I can proceed to, mm-hmm. you know, interacting with yeah. this bunch of strangers that I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on par with you on, on that one. I think But I, what I tend to do is, um, Whenever I feel overwhelmed, anxious, I'll go hug a, hug a tree. You yeah, know, you mentioned I'm it that, earlier. I'm that I'm that I'm that hippie guy who like goes hug a tree. I'm take off my shoes and you know go barefooted on grass. Uh, I if there's a body of water and one can access yeah. it, jump into it. You know, get get, and if you can go naked do it you know free free willy yeah. style for the for and the listeners out there raf is actually a hobbit um his name is raf <laughs> I mean, raf oh, baggins <laughs> raf baggins raf skin bag raf skin baggins um i would oh man that's i mean that if if there's any character that i wish to be in lord of the rings it's definitely a hobbit they have the best life i mean yeah. who can deny it you are smoke You're some pipe hobbit, weed man. drink some yeah. mead yeah dude yeah I'm barefoot right now and I have hobbit feet. So boom, 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 <laughs> kachung. And I would totally live in, 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 in bag end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of those things. I think nature is, there's a reason why there's been so numerous studies, uh, on this and numerous people that have come out to say nature is the best way to heal, uh, an anxious mm-hmm. mind. And that's, it, it, that makes sense. You know, it, it, yeah. the, the planet's there for that and 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 mother nature provides in that sense so if you can get away like me and you you know when we go on hikes that's the best kind of mm-hmm. meditation the the best kind of healing that one yeah. can get you know you put your phone away you kind of experience the outdoors and camp out whatever whatever it may be just kind of go yeah. out there even if you can't do that you know right away go outside go to your nearest park hug a tree man i'm telling you hugging a tree yeah will relieve so much anxiety <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so, so there, there, there are many, there are many things you can do and there are many things I can do. It, it, it's definitely tricky and I've, I found it tricky in London, but even London has those peace pockets. Um, yeah. So go, 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 go find them, go relieve stress yeah. if, uh, from. If anyone yeah. lives in London and they want a nice little like chill spot to go and like have a quiet moment there we go. Um, there's a place called the Kyoto Gardens, and it was mm. a donation by the Japanese government to the people of London. Wow. Um, and I can't remember where it is. I think it's in Green Park or okay. Hyde Park, something like that. Holland it's in Park? Central Central West-ish area. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, um, there's definitely a Japanese garden in Holland Park. I don't know if that's, maybe the, that's Ki- the one. Yeah, I maybe think that's, that's the one. one. Yeah. So um, go I've check been that out. I've been there. It's very, it's, it is very it's very serene there is there is serenity to be experienced there um and just go i mean london with all the things that i say you know with all that kind of bad mouthing that i that i do on london there are some truly fantastic parks here that can help you relieve yourself from city stress and make you think oh wow i'm outside you know like richmond park is kind of the fine example for me is Mm. richmond park is really one of those parks it's so tremendously big that you do feel like you've kind of stepped outside of london if i'm not wrong i think it's the biggest park in the world i mean it could very well fucking be it's fucking there's deer there i think it might be yeah it's that that big that there's just herds of deer that just camp out there yes um but yeah so that was our mental health check day yeah sponsored by calm 
Um, uh, what's the other one? <laughs> headspace. Headspace. Um, um, just, you know, breathe in, breathe yeah. out. You know, it's simple as that. Uh, but on to, I believe, ratings. Ratings, indeed, indeed. Um, Whoa. I remember How we hear Ollie's, but um, <laughs> you know what? He actually might do like a little recording at the end that we'll put at the he- tail end of this video. I mean, sorry, podcast. Um, and yeah, he'll give you his opinions on yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's basically when you've like already tuned out. So he, you know, basically, yeah, yeah he'll be at the very yeah. end. So you don't want, you know, you'll, you'll be yeah. tuned out by then. So we won't <laughs> listen to him. Uh, but yeah, his, his rating will, you'll, if you're interested, but now our rating, what, what, what would you give it, my friend? So for this one, I think I've chosen also like a, a different item, every single film, every Mm -hmm. single time we've tried to record this. Yes. yes, So I, I forgot both items now. Um, but I'm going to give this an eight out of 10, uh tarot cards oh nice that's a good one that's a good one um i am going to give it 10 out of 10 eyes Eyes. that's it i just eyes because i'm just (laughs) i'm looking at the poster and 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 it's it's a it's a it's a picture of of Cleo's eye, and I feel like that's just like one of the finest example of female gaze mm. right there. Oh yeah, yeah, um, female gaze. T- yeah, yeah. So yeah, very, very. We I think we did it, and hopefully, I hope. Well, we this is going to be up, in the browser. It's going to be in the cloud. If this gets deleted, then, uh, well, then I forget will it. forget about. I it. will buy the first person to comment a. Super big pint of beer. Wow. Yeah. There you yeah. go. A, a mega pint. A mega pint. And if you don't drink a beer, sh- a Steiner. I'll get you a Steiner. <laughs> Steiner. <laughs> Steiner. <All right. laughs> yeah. And if there, you don't drink beer, I'll get you like a Coke or a tea or something. Yeah. A chocolate um, chip cookie. A chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> oh, chocolate good. milk. Okay. <laughs> That's an inside joke between Jabril and I, and we are wrapping this up before We're we go cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you for doing this for the third time, Raf. Uh, don't forget no to worries. like, share, subscribe, comment, give us a five star rating, and all that jazz. You know where to do it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts does not exist, and Deezer doesn't exist. So, I think it would be YouTube Podcasts. But, anyways. Give us those likes, give us those shares and comments and whatever. We're also on YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to be having our episode 100 coming out next week. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. And then we're going to be back with the French New Wave after that. For the final episode. For the final yeah. episode. And yeah, stay tuned. Love y'all. Peace. Catch you soon. Hey guys, it's Oliver Mangum from The Movie Newbie. I'm just here to chime in with my own little review of Clear from 5 to 7 and answers to the categories, since unfortunately I was not able to join my usual co-hosts on this episode, but um, I'm sure that's been uh, explained previously. Anyway, um, Clear from 5 to 7. Yeah, this is a pretty phenomenal, groundbreaking piece of cinema. Um, I think everyone knows that who's watched it. Um, but it's really something that needs to be seen to be believed. My own history with it is this. I watched the film when I was in university as part of a film 
studies module, this is definitely the kind of film that you were made to watch in high school or in uh, university to sort of study and pick away at. And so this was my first time revisiting it and it kind of floored me. Um, I actually kind of wished that I had the opportunity to go back into the classroom to discuss it because there is so much going on in this film. There's so much text to sort of be dissected and pulled apart. It's a very psychologically dense film. Um, and a really interesting one. And the way that Agnes Varda controls the tools of filmmaking to sort of dive into the inner psyche of this lead character and explore different ideas about ego, death, vanity, paranoia, obsession, uh, is just really, really rich. And it's something that kind of needs to be poured over scene by scene. But anyway, I found it to be an incredibly um, satisfying an enriching experience to watch on the screen. I think Agnes Varda's camera work, the way she uses her camera um, to sort of track her character uh, throughout Paris, how she managed to sort of bring in um, people who were just pedestrians, who were just walking the background, who were staring at the camera, how she used that to sort of heighten the paranoia felt by her main character. I just thought it was marvelous. Um, so yeah, Agnes Varda is a real one. Anyway, let's, without further ado, let's get to categories. So I'm just going to rush through these fairly quickly. Uh, favorite scene, um, I don't know if the other guys have mentioned this yet, but my favorite scene was definitely Cleo singing Saint-Trois. I think that's how you pronounce it. Saint-Trois in her apartment with the um, Michel, Gon, Michel Leblanc or Legrand, that's his name, the uh, pianist and the lyricist. Um, I just think it's an incredibly moving scene for obvious reasons. First, Corinne Marchand's performance here is just staggering. Her vocal technique is brilliant. But I loved how the camera sort of moved in. It sort of panned in towards her until the, a black part of the wall that was behind her enveloped her. So it looks like she's on a stage or perhaps in the middle of an oblivion. And then you have non-diegetic music swelling in the background. It's just incredibly moving. Um, and I love how it was all done in one take. Um, favorite performance? I mean, obviously, Corinne Marchand is the... <laughs> the main is the big act here. She's the main showcase. This is her film and she, she holds your attention all the way throughout, but I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Dominique Davre who performed Angel, who's kind of her assistant slash manager slash companion. I think she straddles that line between sort of adoring and respecting um, Cleo, but also kind of not looking down on her necessarily, but kind of, being over her bullshit to a degree, which is sort of a line that many people who are going to sort of mollycoddle or look after these perhaps vain or egotistical superstars are going to have to deal with. So I thought uh, she was great. Favorite quote. Um, obviously, I'm not going to repeat this in the original French because I cannot, but I'm going to go with a line from Cleo that she gives when she's looking into the mirror at the beginning of the movie after um, visiting the fortune teller. Ugliness is a kind of death as long as I'm beautiful and even I'm even more alive than the others. So I thought that was really interesting because it kind of hit on one of the main themes in this film, which is how people when faced with the prospect of mortality or the demise of their body retreat into vanity. We look at, you know, our beauty, um, our reflection, the news kind of clothes, material sort of pursuits. And we use these to try and distract ourselves from the truth that we're all going to die, which is, um, you know, a pretty dark thought, but also I think one definitely worth thinking about from time to time. Finally, we're going to go with two armchair moment. Now, I think this film is pretty fantastic, like I said, but there were points where I felt that the real time conceit, the idea that we were following this character minute to minute throughout, through about a two hour period, I felt like it sort of wore thin 
in the second half. There were periods where she was taking a cab, for example, to get from one point place to another. And there wasn't any dialogue or there wasn't any action happening on screen. And you were just kind of observing things as, as moments passed. And usually I quite enjoy that, but I felt like it slowed the pacing down of the film and it didn't always work. But that's my only issue with the film. So that'll bring us to ratings. Yeah. Like I said, I thought this was a pretty powerful, groundbreaking piece of experimental filmmaking and really impressive considering that it only came out in 1962 and was Agnes Fada's first uh, narrative feature film. So I'm going to go with nine out of 10 tarot cards. All right. That's it from me. Back to the studio. Yeah.